For those of you who don't know me, I'm Steph, I'm one of the, um, one of the pastors here, and um, we're doing a series on encounters with Jesus, people who, met, people who met Jesus, and through it we're trying to get, get to the heart of the Jesus of the Bible, and make sure that we're not just um, creating our own little caricature of who we think Jesus is, but letting Jesus be Jesus, Amen. in all his splendour, in all of his mystery, um, in all, of his, in all of his compassion, in all of his fearlessness, letting him be Jesus and, um, uh, and not trying to make him something that will fit with what we want to do and where we want to go, but fit him with him, because it's all about Jesus. So that's what we're doing, and um, if you've got a Bible with you and you want to turn to John chapter 21, you can follow it um, in your own Bible. We will get the words up on the screen as well. For those of you who either don't have a Bible or didn't bring your Bible with you, um, reading from the ESV, John chapter 21, one of the most beautiful stories in the whole Bible. So running up to this, John has been writing about various appearances Jesus made after his resurrection, and then we start from John chapter, one, John, John chapter 21 verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it who's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus, you are beautiful. You are. You're the best thing. You're just the best thing in our lives. We're amazed. We're amazed by you. We're amazed by how tough you are on situations that need toughness and how tender you are on situations that need tenderness. And thank you that you always read it just right. You never get it wrong. And I pray, Lord, as we pray particularly for those who need to hear a tender word today. We pray they'd hear that straight from your heart. Amen. Now, if you don't know the Gospels well, you might really, you need to know a bit of the background. What's happened is, is that just before this moment, probably a few days before, maybe a couple of weeks before, Jesus was, Jesus was crucified. Um, and, and what happened, Jesus was crucified at the end, really, of a, a, a morning and, and a night of questioning. He was questioned through the night. Um, and he was arrested in the evening. And at that point of Jesus being arrested, it went really bad for the disciples. They all scattered. And this was, this was a, a surprise, not to Jesus, but to them. They'd committed their lives to him. They'd left, they'd left really everything to follow him. They'd thrown their whole lot in with him. He'd predicted about his death and resurrection. They hadn't really got it, but they knew that it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, uh, but when the moment came, when Judas came with the um, officers and some soldiers, the fear was, uh, you, you would have been able to cut it with a knife. And it was, the atmosphere was thick with fear. They all fled. One of them uh, ended up fleeing naked because someone grabbed him. And he did the thing, you know, like when you're at school and you're playing it and someone grabs your jacket and you manage to slide out. You ever do that? That was my best move. And you leave them holding your jacket and you run off. Well, similar thing happened, but, you know, with the whole robe. And so the guy runs naked. I mean, this, it was chaos. It was, it was like, man, but the worst thing of all was their leader, the leader of the disciples, really, who was Peter. He was the most vocal. He was a natural leader, naturally, naturally the first one to speak up, the first one to have a go, the only one to get out of the boat and uh, attempt walking on water. He was that guy. Um, Jesus had spoken kind of big words over his life, a man of destiny, if you like. He... He initially uh, reacts aggressively. He draws his sword and uh, cuts off the ear of one of the people that are coming to arrest Jesus. Jesus has to deal with that situation, heal the man, tell Peter to put away his sword, and then Peter crumbles. He, he follows at a distance behind Jesus in the interrogation. He manages to get into the courtyard where Jesus is being interrogated because he's with John, and John knows someone who works there. So they manage to get him. Peter's warming, warming himself around the fire um, as Jesus is being interrogated by the high priest. 
And during that period of time, however long that was, who knows, an hour, an hour or two, three times uh, people say to Peter, aren't you with that Jesus? Or aren't you one of his disciples? And three times he denies any knowledge of Jesus. It is devastating. Hours before he'd said to Jesus, I am willing even to go to death with you. Ever said anything rash? And then the moment came and you, you, you realise actually what you thought was in you, it's not in you. You thought it was in you, but it wasn't. That's what happens here. I'll go to death with you, Lord. And then, and even the third person was a young, a young girl. And this leader of the apostles. By this point, he's swearing and cursing. I've never, you know, I've never seen the man. It's, it's humiliating. At that point, Jesus walks out. The cock crows. Jesus turns to Peter. And we're told that Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly. Peter has disappointed Jesus. Or really, has he? Jesus predicted that he would do it. So I guess you could say that Peter has disappointed himself by denying Christ. And he's carrying this. You know he's carrying this because when Peter says at the start of this story, I'm going fishing, what's Peter saying? Where did Peter come from? He was a fisherman. Before Peter was called by Jesus, he was a fisherman. When Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, Peter, uh, with his brother Andrew, with James and John, they laid down their nets to follow Jesus. And so really, it was the thing that Peter laid down to follow Christ. At this point, when Peter says, I'm going fishing, he's saying, I can't do this. You see, you can get disappointed as a Christian in probably two main ways. One is, is that you feel like God doesn't come through, or circumstances don't work out as you planned, and so externally you're either crushed or disappointed or resentful or whatever it might be. Something's happened externally. That's not the case here with Peter. It's the other way, which is he's just, he's just come to the realisation that in and of himself he hasn't got it. It's different. Jesus was fully in control of the whole situation. Jesus predicted it. The situation hadn't actually gone wrong. By this point, Jesus has appeared uh, to the disciples, resurrected. They know he's won. They know he's come back from the dead physically. They know that actually everything Jesus predicted has happened. He's not failed. It's not a disaster. It's a victory. So, but why is Peter saying, I'm going fishing? Because Jesus, Peter's saying, well, Jesus, I know you're amazing. And I know that you've come through, but I can't do it. I haven't got it. Peter's having his I haven't got it moment. Have you had this moment? You will. You need this moment. You need this I haven't got it moment. It's a blessing in disguise. Up until this point, Peter's foundation was really self. self Self-confidence. I'm the leader guy. And Jesus had spoken stuff over him, Jesus had called him. Yes, he was a follower, yes, he was a disciple, but his foundation was, I can do it. That was what was at the heart, in his soul, I can do it. He had his, I can't do it, moment. And he has pulled the rug from his feet, and he just wants to go back. Not because he doesn't believe it's true, because he just thinks, I can't do this. I'm going fishing. And the others, just because they're followers, really say, oh, we'll come with you. (laughs) Peter's going, we'll go. So that's the context. That's what's going on. 
he can't, he feels he can't do this thing. So they go fishing, and it's useless. Because going back always is useless. <laughs> if you've known Jesus, going back is always a nightmare. Because you've touched eternal life. And when you've touched eternal life, in the depths of your soul, going back to anything else is always useless. It's always futile. It always has the ring of hollowness about you. I remember a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, a follower of Christ, went back. He went back. I, I, I bumped into him in, in the cop. He was working in the cop. He said, how's it going? And I just said, yeah, yeah, it's going good. And he just went, Arr. And he was kind of light-hearted. And kind of, and, but what had, what had happened was, in the moment, in, in, in the couple of years that he'd gone back, God had been working on him, and he'd got to the point where he'd realised this is useless. <laughs> And he, I think a couple of months later, he just came back to Christ wonderfully, beautifully. But it's always useless when you go back. If you're thinking of going back, it's useless. <laughs> it's to save you the pain, really, of it, you know. Um, it just is. So, um, if you've really known Jesus, it is. If you've just gone to church for a while or tried to be Christian-y, then uh, that's, that's different. But if you've known Jesus... If the risen Lord Jesus has lived inside of you by his Holy Spirit, if you've tasted of the power of the age to come, and all of that, if you've known sins forgiven, conscience cleansed, wow, 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 wow. To go back is always useless. Jesus in his mercy comes and gives them a helping hand. John gets it at this point, because this happened earlier, this happened years ago, didn't it? You remember one of the, one of the first times when, actually when Peter, one of the, 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 it seems like there's a parallel time when Peter was called, where Jesus said, can I use your boat because the crowds are getting too much, I can just stand on it, or sit on it and, and teach without getting crushed. And then afterwards he said, I'll put your net out. And they said, well, we've been preaching all night, we haven't caught a thing. We'll just go once more. And they kept a net for and John, ah, remember, it's the Lord. Now you've got to watch Peter at this moment. Peter is in I can't do it mode. I haven't got it mode. But what does he do as soon as he hears it's Jesus? He goes bonkers. Who do you know that puts on their clothes and then jumps in the lake? <laughs> it's like the opposite of skinny dipping, isn't it? It's like the absolute opposite. I put my clothes on, why? So I can jump into the lake. You think, obviously probably he's thinking, well, I'm just sort of stripped down to my undergarments and it's the Lord, you know. It's the Lord, you know. It's a bit like that sometimes as a Christian, isn't it? You think, yeah, maybe I won't say that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that one wouldn't have gone down well. But anyway, so, <laughs> you know, you, you say these things and then no one gets it, and you're like, I'm in front of 150 people and none of them get it. So I'm not going to do that, but it's my own little thing. Anyway, I'll tell you about it later if you want to come and ask me about it. So, anyway, Peter, Peter he, he's failed Jesus, he can't do it, but he loves him. And he just wants to be with Jesus. That's the sign of a believer. I can't do it. But it's Jesus. And I just want to be with him. I love this. This is beautiful. Because when Jesus works in your life, he works at a depth in a place where no one or nothing else does. It's completely unique. When you've known the presence of Christ. And then if you know the presence of Christ is somewhere or is drawing you in some way or is revealing himself to you, you just need to be near him again. Even though when you get there, you have no idea what you're going to say. You, have no, you, you don't know how you're going to give an account for yourself. You're probably quite humiliated and ashamed because of the things you've done or haven't done. But it's Jesus. And you've got to get there. And this is the beauty of this story. John says, it's the Lord. Peter's like, I'm going. You think, you're on a boat, man. The guys just wrote, no. I want to be the first one there. That's Peter. 
Because I love Jesus. So they turn up on the beach and, man alive, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Jesus has gone and got a barbecue ready for him. <laughs> Don't you love Jesus? You think, like, I don't know, maybe the angels did it, I don't know, but it seems like Jesus did it. I don't, he's risen from the dead. He's beaten death. He's beaten Satan. He's beaten sin. Stage four, make a barbecue. <laughs> wow! You're amazing. It's the humility of Christ. It's the involvement, the engagement, the sleeves rolled up. I'm going to get my hands dirty with you. Compassion of Jesus. You see, because in this culture, if you were to eat with people, you're saying, I accept you. You're saying, I receive you. So before any talk of, you know, the denials, the things Peter did, he turns up. And what is the first thing that Jesus says? Well, get some of those fish. Come and have breakfast. I accept you. Oh, man. I, 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 I accept and receive you as you are. If you come to Jesus aware of your need, aware of your lack, aware of the fact that really you can't do it, but you come to Jesus, guess what he says? I receive you. I accept you as you are. Let's have breakfast. Let's fellowship together. There's no, there's, we're not, you know, there's, there's a conversation to come. It's a really important conversation, but that's not where it starts. Because what you and me need to know more than anything else is this. Is that through Christ, we're accepted by God. We need to know it because through sin, we've been alienated from God. And all of our anxieties in life are rooted in the one anxiety that we know we're no longer accepted because of sin. We know it's gone wrong. We know it's disjointed. And no matter how much religious stuff we do, unless we really get and understand this gospel, this good news, that actually we get rescued by God's work on our behalf. We get rescued by what Jesus has done for us. That it's not about those things we do. It's about what he has done for us. Until we get that, this anxiety remains, does he accept me? Does he receive me? This is the most beautiful picture you could possibly imagine. It's God's way of saying, absolutely, as you come to Jesus in your darkest moment, in your weakest moment, but you come to him because you want to love him, because you want to know him, he accepts you. Wow. In fact, I heard someone say that it's actually our best moments are our worst moments. Because it's, it's in our best moments that we start leaning onto some self-righteousness and some sense of, oh, well, maybe Jesus loves me because of this. Or, you know, maybe God accepts me because I did that. And we begin leaning onto some stuff that's really ugly in the sight of God. But it's when we're in our darkest, bleakest, weakest moments where we realise, I just need mercy. Where God says, you get it now. And God's mercies are new every morning and his compassions never fail. Praise God. So they have some breakfast. And then they go on a walk. We know they go on a walk. It doesn't say they go on a walk in verse 15, just before the conversation. But it says in verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So we know they have breakfast and then a walk begins. So now this is massive, guys. You've got to get this now. They've had breakfast. Peter knows now he's accepted. He knows that he seems like, you know, I'm still in. Nothing's been said, but it seems it's looking good. 
Then there's this amazing conversation, and I want to pull two main things out of here. What's the question that Jesus asks him? Do you love me? It's an amazing question, really. It's not, Peter, will you stand up for me? Will you speak up for me? Will you be bold for me? It's none of those things. Blatantly, he fluffed it. You know, the answer would be no to all of those things. In fact, it would just be humiliating for Jesus to ask that. What does Jesus want to know? Here's what Jesus wants to know. Do you love me? It's so simple. It's so simple. There's two words here used for love, two different Greek words, and one of them's used twice, one of them's used once. And I don't really know the significance of it in terms of what one's used when and why. I've thought a bit about it, and I can't really see a link. But I'll just tell you the two words. One is phileo, which means brotherly love, affection. Do you have, do you, is there affection towards me? Do you feel in your heart that you, you want to be around me? And agape love is a word that seems to be unique to the New Testament. It just sort of, the Christians made it up to talk about Christian love, which is just a determination to bless and do good, regardless of what you're feeling or what's going on. And, and so it's those two things coming together. So Jesus isn't being just, just overly sentimental here. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Jesus, you know, love is it's not, it's not just a, you know, Peter, are you kind of feeling warm towards me today? It's not that. It's a very deep thing he's asking. So he mustn't be confused and think, oh, well, I had, a, I had a nice feeling in one of those songs, so maybe I do love Jesus. No, it's much deeper than that. Love for Christ issues in sacrificial obedience. That's, that's how you know you love Jesus, because you, you, you do what he says. Okay, so it's really important that we understand that. But it doesn't, it's not just cold obedience. Legalistic kind of obedience. Oh, they're the rules, I'll follow those. No, 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 no. That's, that is just as wrong as just the sentiment. Biblical faith, love, how that works is that from, from the depths of your soul, from, your, from a newly created heart, from a work of God's spirit, Jesus is number one. Genuinely, number one, Lord. And you make mistakes on a journey and you get it wrong and all that stuff that Peter's done, but you, you still put your clothes on and jump out of boats. Yeah? Because it's Jesus. And you love him. And that's, that is the, I believe it's, it wouldn't be wrong for me to say that's one of the questions Jesus would be asking you today. Do you love me? That's really what he's asking. Don't complicate it. Do you love me? What, that's for you to answer to him, not to me. That's for you to answer to him. Say, I love you. So that's, that's, the, that's the first thing. That's, that's what Jesus is asking. That's where it starts. Okay? That is where it starts. It doesn't, it doesn't start by, how can I put it? Um, it, it? There's a work of God which in the heart of a man or a woman that leads to love for Christ. I cannot explain my love for Jesus. It wasn't there once. Now it is. For me it was a moment. For some people it seems that it's more gradual. Nevertheless, there's something that is there now implanted by God. I don't know how he did that. It involved all kinds of things. It was repentance and stuff. But something's happened inside of me that is completely miraculous. I love Jesus. You know? I love Jesus. I love saying it. I love Jesus. I, lo- I love saying it in all kinds of situations to all kinds of people. Because it's like, I just do. And that's a work of God. That's a work of God. So keep it simple. But here's the sec- second thing. This is really important. How many times did Jesus ask him? Three times. It was deliberate. And it's, no, it's deliberate where it tells us that Peter was grieved. 
because he'd asked him a third time, what's Jesus doing? Jesus is taking him back. He's taking Peter back to the time where he denied him. Jesus is bringing it up. It's the ouch moment. It is the ouch moment. There's the breakfast, the barbecue, there's the walk, it's all good, but there is an ouch moment. Why? Because Peter, if Peter is going to actually spread his wings and fly, the pain, the disappointment, the regret, the dark stuff in his soul as a result of that night, however many days ago it was, that needs to be extracted and extracted thoroughly. So Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And Peter's grieved. Why? Because it's like, I know what you're doing, Jesus. You're bringing it up. Jesus brings up the dark stuff. Jesus brings up the painful stuff. Jesus brings up the hard stuff. Okay? He does and he will. Why? So he can extract it from your spirit so that you can fly. So that he can heal your soul so that you can run. So that you haven't got to drag this thing around in your spirit for the rest of your life and become bitter or become lukewarm or become compromised or become hard or become small or become limited in a way God doesn't want you to be. Jesus wants to get to the stuff. This is discipleship. It's letting Jesus do heart surgery on you. And it is good. There may be some grief. There may be some pain. But it is good. Because Jesus says to him at the end, feed my sheep. What's he doing? He's restoring him. He's not just saying, you're forgiven. He's saying, you're still a leader. You're still a pastor. That things, those things I've spoken over you, you haven't blown it. Some of you need to hear that in your spirit today. You haven't blown it. It's not over. It's not over. This is what Jesus does. This is how Jesus works. And, and, and what, what, you might say, well, how, how do I do this? How do I get to this? Well, the beauty of it is this, is that you don't, you don't need someone in special clothes called a priest to help here at this point. You don't need that. You need to draw near in your heart to Jesus. And you'd say something like, Jesus, can we go on a walk? Or Jesus, can we talk about some things? And the things that in your heart you know are holding you back can be just sadness. Sometimes, you know, it's just flipping sad. Things have happened. You think, I'm just sad. Well, you need to bring that to Jesus. Or disappointment. Or pain. Grief. Or you're struggling with bitterness. You've got to bring it to Jesus. So he can heal you. And you've got to let him lift the lid off that thing. And it might be a bit, ouch. But you know what he's going to do? Man, by his shed blood, he's just going to cleanse and heal your spirit. He's going to restore He's going to renew. He's going to do all the good stuff in you that no mortal can do, only Jesus can do. I tell you, I promise you on his behalf. It's the gospel. 
He comes to bind up the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61, and, and, and the Bible says that they end up as oaks of righteousness. You think, wow, they start brokenhearted, they end up oaks of righteousness. This is one of the most amazing images in the whole of the Bible. That's what the gospel does. So in the beginning, you can't even manage yourself. You've got a broken heart. You're limping through life. In the end, you're providing shade for others. You're an oak of righteousness. What the heck? What did that? The gospel. Jesus did it. Wow, will you just come to Jesus? Well, he does it. He does it. Just come to Jesus. Stay there. Sit under him. Submit. When you find stuff in the Bible, do it. Just do Just trust him. Just trust him. And that's really how this story ends. I love this moment where suddenly Peter turns around and sees John. Right? We, all, we all know it's human nature, right? Well, what about him? <laughs> He's not perfect, is it? You know, it's that moment. What about, what about John over there? It's like, you know, I'm, I'm having all this heart surgery. What about John? Look at him. What? I'm sure he's done some things wrong. He's, yeah, you know. And there is this thing sometimes where, as, as believers, you can be like, what about them? They're happy every Sunday. Yeah? They never go, they always land on their feet. They're never skint. Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. They don't struggle with this thing I do. And it's this temptation quite often to just say, Jesus, what about them? Well, here's your answer. If it's my will that he remains until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. If it's my will that they never skin, what's that to you? You follow me. If it's my will that they're happy every Sunday, what's that to you? You follow me. If it's my will that they always land on their feet, what's that to you? You follow me. And on we go. You follow me. Only Jesus can say that sort of stuff. Only Jesus can say it and get away with it. And it'd be really cool when he says it. Because he knows. He gets it. He gets us. He gets you. He gets me. My plea as ever is that we trust Christ. It's not a new message, is it? (laughs) The same message every week. That's how it's dynamic. It's very, very dynamic. I want to just, man. I want to just, I want to, I think, I feel like in my spirit, I just want to invite you on the adventure of letting Jesus into the depths of your soul. I want to, because Jesus works, that's how Jesus tends to work, through people, and the more he's been allowed to have his way in someone, the more he, more he can do through that person. So I want to invite you. I want to invite you to, 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 to respond, to say, you know what? I'm going to let Jesus into the depths of my soul and he can have his way. I want to invite you to do that. For some of you, that's a big step because one of the devil's biggest sort of Strategies is to get a Christian to feel like they've actually blown it, they've, they've gone too far, and there's no coming back. Because if, if you believe that, you're paralysed for life. You hang in there hoping that who knows, do you know what I mean? You might get a wild card come judgment day, you know, flip, I mean, you know. But, do you know what I mean? You, know, that's, that you, can, you can do that. You think you're holding out for a wild card. But, you know, as for confidence in Christ... As for assurance, as for lifting your head up high, 
because he's a lifter of your head. As for walking away from all that is futile and into all that is eternally worthwhile, as for running and throwing off weights, that's, that's not happening because you've believed this thing. This is the key story in the Bible to minister to you. Peter was a Christian. Peter was a leader. And he blew it big time. And Jesus restored him. And probably about, about four, three or four weeks after this, Peter preaches to a crowd and 3,000 of them get saved. Just to sort of put a seal on it and say, hey, he's, he's all right. <laughs> he's effective. Want to be effective? Let Jesus deal with the depths of your soul. Amen. Understand if you if you want to if you want to say that particularly. You feel today, yeah, yeah. That's 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 for me today. Why don't you stand? We're gonna I'm gonna pray over you. Just pray God's blessing, and then we're gonna sing. If the band wanna, we're gonna sing a beautiful song that just just delights in the grace, the free grace of God, the forgiveness that is ours in the Lord Jesus. We're gonna take bread and we're gonna take wine together. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, you know what? I don't think I've ever, I've ever said, Jesus, I want you to have your way in the depths of my soul. And you realize, actually, what it is, is that's, that's, you're going to come to Jesus. You know, whatever you call it, you're coming to Jesus and you're making him the Lord. Then I want to just say, just pray. Tell him that. Just pray at your heart to him. And then just let, let another Christian know maybe a friend in the church or just let me know we can just pray with you and just stand with you encourage you and you know help you in terms of taking steps and all of that so let's pray Lord we really really want to be the real deal with you because you've been so much the real deal with us we thank you that you've you know it's, it's, it's all it's all authentic with you there's no pretending there's no nonsense There's no religious claptrap. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And we just want to say, I just want to say, Lord, seriously, have your way. Have your way. I trust you, Lord. I do. I trust you. I trust you that you will remember that I'm dust, that 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 you won't test me beyond what I can bear. That you won't let me go through something that is, that, and you'll, you'll never leave me in it. You'll be there the whole time. That your wisdom is unsurpassed. You know exactly what and exactly when and exactly how. And that we'll always end up celebrating when we come through it. I absolutely, Jesus, I trust you for that. And uh, Lord, I pray for all of us as we stand before you and sing and meditate on your goodness, your greatness, your compassion. That our hearts would be thrilled with you once again. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, sinless life, atoning death on the cross for us, mighty resurrection from the dead three days later, glorious ascension to the Father's right hand where you now sit and wait till all your enemies are put under your feet when you will return and make all things new. We look to you. Amen.